This is Thomas's presentation of how the inner light of reason, beginning with sensible objects, reasoning from them, tracing them back to God as a supernatural cause, this is how it functions. Knowledge of God is a work attained through natural reason and not a gift given to natural reason. That's the terse way to summarize the distinction between Thomas's view on the one side, Calvin and Van Til on the other. Now, I can't and do not intend in this module to get into any extensive discussion of this because technically it is beyond the purview of the narrow topic, but it's critical to understand that this indirect, inferential, natural knowledge of God that Thomas affirmed is merely the con-natural end of man. The end of man or the end of Adam given his nature as a creature. But Thomas and traditional Roman Catholic theology with him argued that in addition to this natural end, there is also a supernatural end for reason, a supernatural end for Adam. And that supernatural end comes not by nature, but beyond nature in grace. The grace of the donum superadditum. Thomas and Thomists who follow him taught that the intellect can be reproportioned to participate in and view directly the essence of God. Natural reason can only reach God indirectly through sensible objects, but if reason is reproportioned by the supernatural grace of God given in the donum superadditum, that intellect can attain the direct knowledge of and participation in the essence of God. I've given lectures on this at Reformed Forum conferences. Um, Dr. Busey gave a wonderful lecture on post-Vatican II theology in the work of Karl Rahner, and I would like to add his name to the list of the resources I spoke of earlier uh, when it comes to understanding the developments of post-Vatican II Roman Catholic theology. But Lawrence Feingold, in his masterful work on Aquinas and his interpreters, he speaks of the distinction between God ordering Adam to a connatural end by nature and ordering him to a supernatural end by grace. His argument, if I summarize it, is that the natural end of Adam is a return to God according to his human nature. The supernatural return to God through grace is something that elevates Adam above his nature. He says it this way. He says, another way to present the relation between the orders of nature and grace, natural knowledge and graced knowledge, is by using the analogy of the exodus and reditus. Creation puts the creature outside of God, giving it a place in the hierarchy of being. The natural end thus affects a return to God according to the measure of the creature as man loves and glorifies God according to the proportion of his nature. The return accomplished by the supernatural, by grace, supernatural grace, 
introduces the creature in the sphere of the divine through charity. The supernatural end liberates man and angel from the limits of their creaturely proportionality and brings them into mystical marriage with God. Darius Spazano, in her outstanding treatment of Thomas Aquinas on the Beatific Vision entitled The Glory of God's Grace, Deification According to St. Thomas Aquinas, says this, she expounds Aquinas, Adam's, quote, natural powers of intellect and will are are incapable of attaining supernatural beatitude on their own, but also human nature as their source is radically insufficient ontologically underproportioned for eternal life, and so incapable of producing the acts necessary to get there. Hence, Thomas, following Albert the Great, posits that the intellect itself is reproportioned by the gift of a supernatural intrinsic disposition in the soul by which God can be seen immediately the light of glory. Spazano says that Thomas's answer is that the essence of God becomes, for the intellect, the medium of the beatific vision, playing the role of species by informing the intellect. The reproportioning of the created intellect by the light of glory disposes it for union with the divine essence, making it perfectible by the divine essence as a form by giving it a higher potency suited for a higher actualization. It's pages 32 and 33. I would also like to recommend for your reading on this topic uh, Reinhard Hutter's Bound for Beatitude, a Thomistic Study in Eschatology and Ethics, for an excellent uh, expansion of this point. Now, Hermann Bavink, just so you know, in RD2 539 through 542, calls this view of Thomas a melting union, by which he means the distinction between the creator and the creature is eviscerated to the point of being melted into a union of the creator and the creature with regard to the essence of God. He calls it a mystical fusion between the creator and the creature. He says that Any direct, listen to this, any direct apprehension of the essence of God with an ontologically reproportioned intellect is a form of mysticism. And he draws the castigation of uh, some, uh, uh, Burzma being one, for being so staunch in his critique of this deeper Catholic conception of beatitude. Now, we could say more, and I would like to give you a lecture on Bavink's critique of that, but that's not our point. Here's what I want you to appreciate, and, and this is the key. Thomas's doctrine of nature serves Thomas's doctrine of grace. And Thomas's doctrine of the connatural end of man when joined to his conception of grace, gives you a mystical fusion or a melting union 
between the creator and the creature that leaves you with something much more akin to one circle than two. Now, it's not crass and unqualified pantheism. That's not the point. But the melting union, the mystical fusion, destroys the boundaries of the creator-creature distinction as taught in Scripture, confessed in the ecumenical creeds, and summarized in the Reformed confessions and in the dogmatic literature that follows that. The connatural end of knowledge for Adam is indirect and inferential through sensible objects. That can be attained by nature. But the point of Thomas's theology, and this must be meditated upon, is that his theology of nature serves his theology of grace, and they are organically annexed to one another. The, the, the connatural end is incomplete without the supernatural end. And the supernatural end of Adam is the direct apprehension of and participation in the essence of God. Thomas taught a nature-grace view that requires the mystical fusion and the melting union that Bavink critiques in the dogmatics. Now, here is the conclusion. If you've been waiting for a conclusion, suspended on the first uh, portion of the lecture, Calvin and Van Til, suspended now in the second portion of the lecture, Thomas's theology of nature, and there's just the thumbnail sketch of his view of grace and the knowledge given by grace. Here is the conclusion. There is no such thing as a Reformed Thomist doctrine of the natural knowledge of God, because there is no agreement about nature image, natural revelation, or natural knowledge. Thomas denies, and Calvin affirms, concreated natural knowledge, concreated holiness, concreated righteousness. Reformed Thomism, as in other places, is simply a contradiction in terms. And his doctrine of nature is self-consciously presented as the starting point for his doctrine of grace. And the Reformed deny his view of nature, grace, and sin. Now, by way of overview, we need to set Calvin and Van Til not only over against Thomas, but also over against the theology of Karl Barth on the natural knowledge of God. And in the next portion of the lecture, we'll talk about Thomas Barth and Van Til on natural revelation and the natural knowledge of God, and we'll ask this question. Is Van Til closer to Barth, or is Thomas closer to Barth? And the answer to that question might surprise you. We'll continue to look at that.